and I've always said that even for me, if, if I'm competing with somebody, convenience is going to win over all other obstacles, right? And so because those platforms are so big and they've be, become so creative to where you can get online or a platform from your phone and you can get an offer back within minutes, within hours um, of what you could sell your home for, a lot of people test the waters. Well, I, I think it sounds like a good idea. And if it's a product that is kind of geared towards investors, I could see how that would be good. And honestly, if there's something huge that they find, you're probably going to want to address it because it's going to come up. You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. What's going on? Good Friday, or actually, good Saturday. Let's just be honest. There's no there's no um, way around this one. I've been trying to edit and get things out Fridays and Tuesdays. This week was tough. This was a this was a tough week for me. We, I am a, a marching band dad, and we are a marching band family. And this time of year is some kind of busy. And we had our state competition down in San Antonio last weekend. We are getting ready to go to Houston this weekend and then the next weekend in Indianapolis. And it is just nonstop. I, uh, I spend a lot of time building props and moving props and loading props and all that stuff. And so anyway, sorry about the timing, uh, doing everything we can to get it out there. But nonetheless, this is the Real Estate Heavyweights. I'm here, Ashton Hines. I'm with my good friend, Tavis Westbrook who also is a basketball dad. I know he's been busy this week. So uh, how are you guys doing this week, Tavis? I'm doing well. I can't uh, can't take myself seriously now looking into the camera and uh, seeing my naked face. It's, uh, it's a little bizarre. So I'm ready for the beard to come back. Well, I'm glad you said something because <laughs> it's hard to, it is hard to look at you. I, I've only, I've only known bearded Tavis and, uh, so I guess tell the backstory, quick backstory as to why you are not wearing a beard now. Well, because I was the best Elvis impersonator you've ever seen before. That's true. <laughs> yes. I, you on, on Halloween, we were in San Antonio at the competition and you're sending me pictures. I'm like, holy cow. Like you had the, you shaved your beard, you dyed your hair yep. and you have these like crazy chops <laughs> the yes. sideburns yes and you you i don't know if you rented the costume or you bought it so you could wear it later just for dinner or something but that was a super <laughs> legit elvis costume the Tabba, whole thing was Tabba great made it she made it did she really yeah Man, i mean i'm super we impressed bought the white part and then she added in we had our seamstress add the red sequence into it made the scarf and then she bejeweled the hell out of it so uh, wow wow yeah. i'm impressed that's super super <laughs> cool and she was marilyn monroe and y'all yes. went as the uh dynamic duo that's really cool but yes it has left you beardless at least for a while so yeah for a week uh, if you least. start if <laughs> one week yeah. i think the hair dye will last well, longer uh, than the non-beard but then it's gonna look really weird because then i'm gonna yeah. have a white beard with this jet black hair so we're gonna have to see how that turns out yeah. Well, yeah. Live a different life for a while. Wear the Elvis <laughs> suit around. Just, just live it up for a while. Yep. So, 
Well, here we're in DFW and, uh, you know, uh, some of y'all know us, but uh, I'm a new investor. I'm a a real estate agent. I also work full-time job as a home health physical therapist assistant. And I do a lot of therapy for people who are recovering from knee surgery, hip surgery, that sort of thing. A lot of balance issues. I do that all day. And then I'm, I'm constantly texting and calling, uh, people trying to help me out with my flip over in, uh, Casa Linda in Dallas, trying to pay vendors so they don't get mad at me, uh, that sort of thing. And one of the, my go-to text and call, uh, calls I make multiple times a day is to Tavis because I'm working on my fourth flip. He's, he's done over 200 and I'm using a lot of his crew at this point, And he's teaching me all sorts of tips and tricks on how to flip more efficiently and more profitably. And that is what we are all here to do. So on uh, Tuesdays, we come out with what's called Real Estate Heavyweights University. And that is a really deep dive on how to flip houses. And we we get granular. We, we really try to start from the beginning and we're working our way through how to flip a house. So if that's interesting to you, please go check that out. Today, we really try to do a little bit more of an overview of the real estate industry, especially in Dallas. And so to that end, why don't we get to a little bit of a market update? And nothing has changed, to be honest with you. I've looked at the market. Uh, our, our MLS gives some decent reviews. And I know our friends over at Chicago Title had sent something out. Pretty much we're still at the uh, 26, 27 day on market, depending on what level of house you're looking at. We're looking at about three and a half months of inventory. That's All of that's ticked up slightly over the last month or two since we've been watching it more closely. But it's, it's not changed just a ton. And the interest rates are sticking about where they are. They decided to not raise the fundamental rates at the uh, last Fed meeting. And so that type of thing is, is probably going to be status quo for a while. We're looking at about 8% interest rates. It's not a slow market. It's a small market. We've said that multiple times. But when you put a house on the market, you have a good chance of selling it if, it, if it's priced right. And now Tavis is just waiting for a house to flip so he can put it back on the market. That's what he's looking for. <laughs> so if you have a house or you know someone who needs to sell their house quickly, please call Tavis because he's getting lonely. He's getting he's getting bored helping me out. He wants to flip <laughs> his own house. So uh, is that what you're seeing out there, Tavis? Still still kind of what we've been talking about. Not a uh, not a slow market, but a small market. Yeah, man. I I don't know. I you know to me it's just heavy competition. Um, everything I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. I'm competing and I've got to figure out some, some different strategy because I'm, I'm getting outbid left and right. I, you know, I just, I don't need the practice. So, you know, I'm just seeing that it's, and, and it's not that I'm that far off. Uh, one I just missed out on that I really wanted that was in Carrollton. You and I talked about it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, these agents, um, it, it it's nothing wrong with it. It's just, again, it's just becoming a, a, you know, a point where we need to pivot and kind of figure out, you know, different solutions. So, uh, in this particular situation, um, you know, they stretched this bidding process out over a week, ended up with 14 offers and the majority of the Mm -hmm. offers were like $5,000. I mean, there wasn't a huge significance in the offers. Like, it ended up being about a five thousand dollar range, and uh, so I think somewhere ended up, you know, between like two twenty and two twenty five was the majority of these offers, and I think she ended up with a offer at two twenty five mm-hmm. that they took and ran with it, right, with no option. But out of fourteen offers, and again, they drug the thing out. So that's the frustrating thing to me is, I got the lead, I jumped on it, I went and looked at it, I wrote the offer, 
let's go, you know? And they kind of drug yeah. this thing out yeah. over a week and just collecting offers and then come to find out, I mean, that was the difference, right? It was only, you know, I was maybe four, $4,000 off, you know, which I probably, yeah. if, if she would have came back, I probably would have, you know, made that work just because I like the deal enough. But that's what we're running into yeah. right now. It's just, it, it's heavy competition. Um, and then there's some of these other big, these big box wholesale companies out there that uh, are outbidding everybody and they're, you know, they're playing the bait and switch yep. game. And so we're running into that left and right right now. So it's just tricky. It's it's hard to get yeah. a deal, but you also want to be strategic on it. I don't want to just go do a deal, do a deal to do a deal. So, right. you know, yeah. you just have to be smart about it. You're disciplined enough to know what you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah, you've got a good buy box. You, you know what you're looking for. And so, well, you're, you led into one of our topics that we're going to get to. So let's go ahead and get into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the Flash, apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? We landed on the moon! Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So one of the things that came out as earnings, and so a lot of the big, you know, your Keller Williams, your publicly traded, Berkshire Hathaways, those types of companies came out with their earnings this week. Pretty much across the board, everyone took a little bit of a hit in the at the end of the third quarter. Their third quarter earning, earnings yeah. were a dip. And that's not a huge surprise. And uh, But one of the ones that seemed to take a large hit was Open Door. And Open Door is pretty much a direct competitor on a huge scale to individual investors like Tavis and I. And they're what's called an iBuyer. This was made super popular several years ago as the platforms online became more and more efficient to make offers and cash offers for people, making it sound super just convenient and really easy to sell your house to someone and get a great offer and they take it over. Sometimes I think they do a little bit of a flip. Sometimes they don't. So iBuyer stands for instant buyer. Oh, instant buyer. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know. I guess that makes sense. I I guess I never really thought about it. But yeah, instant buyer. They they make these cash offers. They try to make it super simple. They may do somewhat of a rehab. I know early on they were doing more of a rehab. Now it seems more of a lipstick type thing. And then they put it back on the market. Open door. They have a deal with EXP that's not terribly old. EXP is using them as a platform to offer uh, cash offers to their clients. So it's something that people have been trying. I I don't know that anyone has figured it out because it does seem like a lot of these iBuyers are just, they continually are changing their strategies and they're coming in, they're going. And so I, I don't know what it looks like long-term, but it doesn't seem to be a, a huge threat. Do you, do you see that you lose out too many deals to these big institutional iBuyers? I think, I mean, it, it's definitely been a disruptor in the traditional real estate market, right? So now you've got big platforms like, uh, you know, Keller Williams and uh, EXP and Redfin and, you know, Zillow, you know, um, everybody's kind of created their own version of uh, the iBuyer program, you know, uh, to compete. Um, with these big box companies, the biggest ones out there are Open Door and uh, and Offerpad. And so that being said, um, 
you know they've created these these avenues to compete against that because at, at the end of the day iBuyers are a solution to convenience right it's a convenience-based buyer uh and i've always said that even for me if if i'm competing with somebody convenience is going to win over all other obstacles right and so because those platforms are so big and they've become so creative to where you can get online or a platform from your phone and you can get an offer back within minutes within hours um of what you could sell your home for a lot of people test the waters and they may be in a situation where they want to go buy something else and that just becomes the easy the easy button right um and and mm -hmm. i'm sure that the numbers are down this year from past years because of the overall demand and the overall amount of properties that are selling right we talk uh weekly yeah about the lack of inventory and people you know going okay if i sell where do i go and i've got this great interest rate and i go buy something else i'm gonna be in a new interest rate um so i think that still has a connection there i think that's probably why we're seeing those numbers are down overall is is people are having to strategize what their options are you know versus two years ago when the market was high and they were like hey i'm gonna uh i'm gonna sell but i don't want to do any work i want the convenience play i found another property that i really want interest rates are low uh, i've got a new purchase that i want to make but i need to sell my house what's my easy solution right and so those those yeah. opportunities exist you know that's yep. something that we're seeing in our own circle i mean I, I hang my license with keller williams and we have a a program there that other agents can participate in and you know it's somewhat created a monster because you've got agents that will put things out off market because it's convenient uh for a seller there's a lot of stuff that goes on those programs that aren't distressed at all they're literally like a move-in ready house mm -hmm. that doesn't need any work and there's only a discount of maybe thirty forty thousand dollars but the seller doesn't want to sign the yard they don't want to list it they don't want pictures they i mean they don't want your traditional listing program so this is a solution for the agent to still get involved and facilitate that sale to somebody that is looking for a pocket listing that's a little bit discounted right versus for me yeah the numbers need to really make sense to be low enough to where to where it works you know this one the other day i bid on was actually first came off the platform of the iFinder uh, platform and i bid on it and then the agent actually called me when i put out a facebook post saying hey i want more property and she sent me the same property i'd already bid on which there was no way for her to know that i did that mm. so I, I had the opportunity to go walk it at that point right but in that case she put the property out at a good number where it made sense like the projections were good it was the, the strike price was correct and so she ended up driving 14 offers because of it versus a lot of other people sometimes put stuff out there that doesn't make a lot of sense right the the numbers are too right. skinny and it's just you, you know i i think there's a lot of holes in the program but from a brokerage piece and from a consumer like seller point of view there's a lot of good things that come out of it right there, there's a lot of yep. uh, ability for the agent to still win against somebody like an iFinder or, or not an iFinder but an open door or an offer pad that nobody has any connection to 
So it, it right. keeps the the seller and the the agent engaged um, through that journey. Yeah, for sure. I know we talked a little bit about um, another person or another group that came out with earnings that were down is the Builders First Source. They they're our company that we use for trim and a lot of our raw materials for building. I think that they'll frame out. They probably deliver full frame packages. I'm sure, but they're based here in DFW. And their earnings are down. And uh, I know you were talking about how you feel that Home Depot and some of the bigger boxes, are they're getting more competitive on some of their line items like doors and windows and that sort of thing. And uh, random side note, I, I grew up in the blinds and shutters business. And we, uh, high school and college, I, I installed a lot of blinds. Well, that was around the time when Home Depot and Lowe's started really hammering the blinds business is when we started... <laughs> looking for something different because when they started figuring that out and it was easier and easier for people to go there and get quality stuff, you know, our business really took a hit. So I don't know, you know, you would imagine that they're always tinkering with how the price and who they're going after, but maybe they're, maybe they're really starting to target some of the, the builders and the more of the volume stuff and making it more competitive. So are you seeing that with some of your line items with your houses? Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I still like the convenience of, of working with, uh, you know, some of these specific uh, trade companies uh, like Builders for a Source that you mentioned, uh, mainly just because it's kind of a turnkey. They get the program. Uh, they'll show up to a vacant house. They'll take the combo code. They'll unload it. They'll take pictures. It's just very, very convenient um, to stay uh, with that system versus uh, mm-hmm. Home Depot will will do that to a degree. But, uh, you know, we were talking offline earlier. There's still several things that I feel like is overpriced uh, with with the big box companies like Home Depot and Lowe's, although their door packages have been very, very competitive. So I think that, you know, they're seeing that. Um, I've also seen, you know, companies like Builders for Source that have uh, increased their pricing, um, you know, by 15 to 20 percent, like almost every quarter uh, since 2020. You know, so I was seeing huge price jumps in materials and, um, Hmm. you know, that may be another thing is, I mean, when you do that, you're going to have people, you know, that have been loyal. For instance, I've had accounts with Builder for a Source since they were pro-build back in 2009, 2010. And, uh, you know, when they start doing that, you're going to go off and start trying to find a new sales rep somewhere else to build a new relationship with. So. I'm sure that's all yeah. part of the storm, right? When you're when you're, we're seeing these articles, definitely us being boots on the ground and seeing it directly. I mean, I know how it affects me. You know, if if everything's working good and things got a good system and and the numbers make sense, you know, I could deal with a little bit of a price increase. But when it really goes up and things start getting really competitive, then you know we're going to start looking at other options. And it's inconvenient for a little while while you're yep. building new relationships, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom line is the bottom line. So, well, we had someone reach out and ask a question to us. If you have a question, please find us online, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, or if you have our phone numbers, because we're realtors and you know that, um, please reach out, send us a message. So here's a message we got, and we're going to try to help this dude out. Ashton Tavis, I was just calling in with a quick question. I'm actually working on a flip right now and it'll be coming to market soon. And I wanted to know or get y'all's opinion on getting it pre-inspected. 
in particular, like kind of a seven point inspection, looking at foundation, roof, electrical, plumbing, the little stuff regarding windows, that kind of stuff, not too concerned about, but just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on what that looks like as far as having that information to provide to a potential buyer before you go under contract to try to mitigate any, um, you know, hard negotiations during the option period. Well, cool. Well, definitely. Thanks for the question. And so, yeah, I know I've I've actually asked you this same question in the past. Um, Do you advocate for an inspection before you you list your house? I wanted to do it at Polk because I kind of wanted to know what was going to come up so I could address it. And you had a different you have a different way of looking at it. So what do you typically advise on getting an inspection? I think this one might be a slightly different one. It's a it sounds like it's more of an investor-friendly one, where it's kind of the big chunks. It's not all the little bitty GFCI nitpicky stuff, but it's more of an overview of some of the bigger systems. So what would you uh, what would you advise on that? So number one thing to think about is anything that you receive, especially in a an inspection format or an engineer por- uh, format, et cetera, you're supposed to disclose that. Um According to you know truck guidelines, um, especially if you're if you're licensed, right? I mean, m- more so if you're licensed, you should make sure that the homeowner is disclosing everything they know and any kind of inspection reports, etc., that they've received recently. Um, but especially if you're the seller, right? So number one is just be prepared that any information that you receive about your property, you're going to have to disclose it. So if you get a full blown inspection report it might be completely different than the next inspector that the buyer hires um, to come inspect the property. So therefore you may go down this list and fix all of these things and spend the money on it, or you may not. You may cherry pick what you want and then the other guy comes along and they inspect it and they may or may not find the same things. But again, you're gonna have to disclose that report. So if there's things that you missed on or you didn't do, um, then you now are putting yourself in a position where you might have to defend yourself to say, why didn't you fix these things? Um, so that's the, that's the risk. I think on the other hand, uh, if it is kind of an investment friendly list and it's not something that you're doing, you know, every day or feel confident with your trades, et cetera, and you, you haven't really been through this process before, it might be a good idea to do it. Um, and you know, again, just be prepared to disclose it and be, be prepared to kind of address or acknowledge those things that are existing. And if they are existing, then you probably need to put that in seller's disclosure that those things are brought up on the inspection report and you didn't address it or you left it alone, right? So uh, it goes into uh, disclosing uh, and over-disclosing, which I'm a big advocate for uh, in this business, you know, because we're in the kind of business that you know, we're buying a property, we're renovating the property, but there's things in the home that we don't know prior to us buying the property. Right. And we only know what we were, what we were disclosed with. So there may be something that we either find during the rehab that we're going to address and repair, or there may be something that we never knew about. Um, and therefore, you know, it's important that we do disclose what we do know about. Because there might be things that a neighbor comes later and go, hey, do you know that there was a fire on this property 20 years ago? Nobody knew. Right. Right. But if the buyer feels like they were sold a property with you knowing something and you didn't disclose it, now you've got a potential lawsuit on you. So if you are 
including right. in as many facts as you can and documentations when you go to sell the property, you're going to have a lot better uh, opportunity in court, in my opinion, to defend yourself. If you're saying, hey, I had no clue about that. It was never disclosed to me. But these are all the things that I did know and all the things I did in, you know, include and did disclose. The, this is what I know. Um, so I think it's important. Yeah just to be aware of any time you kind of go that direction of getting more information about the property, be prepared to share it. So I am a fan of having engineer reports. I am a fan of disclosing, um, even the previous, like the seller that sold me the property. Um, I'll sometimes include that seller's disclosure into my packet and I'll label it previous seller's disclosure. You know, that's a little bit overkill. Um, but again, it's like, Hey, these are facts that were given to me. Um, here's my new seller's disclosure. Here's my new packet, but here's all the information I know about the house. Right. So it's kind of like just giving that, that paper trail as much as you can go back to say, here's what, here's what you're getting. Here's what I know. Um, when it goes to selling the property. So that's just the big thing to worry about for me is just make sure that you're disclosing the information as you come to find it. I think it can be beneficial to address things that, you may not be aware or maybe your team is not aware to look for so ashton what what say you well i mean i i'm kind of on on the same page i you know if, if you're really going to do it right and you're going to disclose everything you do have to be careful about you know uncovering things that you're not really wanting to re and maybe it's not even in the budget so i would say doing your due diligence before you buy the house to you know if there's something huge you're going to want to either uh, adjust for it before you buy it or just know you're gonna gonna be doing that walking in. Now, doing a big point one, and you know, I think sometimes it could be a selling point. Look, we got an inspection, we did our due diligence, we actually addressed these five big things because it was there. You know, we're doing everything we can to make this a good house. So, you know, I I think it sounds like a good idea, and if it's a product that is kind of geared towards investors, I could see how that would be good. And honestly, if there's something huge that they find, you're probably going to want to address it because it's going to come up, especially if it's one of those big things, foundation, plumbing, big electrical panel type, something like that, that's going to scare a buyer, a potential buyer away. If you just for some reason skip it or miss it and, and now you're having, you've completed this house, you're ready to go. And now you're having to uncover things, bring trades back out, you know, mess the house back up to fix something where you might've been able to do it on the front end. I think I, there's a lot of value in knowing those things. So kind of to your point, if you've done it a lot, you can kind of walk through with your trades and figure those things out on your own, then that's probably the best way to do it. But if you're using a new contractor, you're in you know, a different town that you're not used to or something like that, and you need a little bit of help with that, I don't know that that's a, a horrible idea, especially if it's geared towards investors for sure. Well, if you are interested in learning the do's and don'ts of flipping, um, I can help you out. I can help you ask the right questions, but Tavis Westbrook can help you do it. So he is helping me flip this house over in Casa Linda, uh, on Mapleton here soon. We're going to be having an open house over there and we're going to invite the, anyone in the DFW area that wants to come check out that house uh, from an investor standpoint to know exactly what we did to look at the numbers. We're going to have an investor's open house there and, uh, Tavis is going to, you know, cook and, and bring his specialty, uh, backyard skills to that and uh, <laughs> share some of his experience and his knowledge on uh, on how to flip houses. So we've got that coming up. If you are in the DFW area and you have a house that you'd like to sell, you need to get rid of it quickly. 
you want to work with an investor. Tavis and I both do that. He's actively looking. So Tavis, give them an idea on how they can reach out to you. Yeah. So I'm Tavis, like Travis with no R and you can find me on Facebook or Instagram or just reach out to us on uh, any of the platforms you see us on. Google him. He's uh, Tavis Westbrook Designs as well. He's he's had several articles written about him. So yeah, just Google Tavis and just learn a little bit about Tavis, our friend over there. And uh, I am Ashton Hines. I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the Dallas Real Estate Guy, uh, now with Keller Williams. And so if you are in the Dallas area and uh, you want to come by and check out the investment that uh, we're doing there in Mapleton, see what, how we flip the house. If you need to buy or sell, please reach out. We'd love to work with you. Uh, and we would point you in the right direction. So until Tuesday with Real Estate Heavyweights University, this is Ashton Hines with my good friend Tavis Westbrook. Y'all have a great weekend. Hey.